Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's September 30th, 2016. You're listening to the best and the earliest on the West Coast podcast. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott, Mr. Vegas Long. <laughs> Mr. Vegas. I watched Stripes the other day. I love that. Mr. Vegas. I'm a gambler. <laughs> See, now, if you had four, <laughs> then you would have eaten me. So how's it going out there? It's pretty early for you. It's just past 8 a.m. now, right? Yeah, so I would say uh, my new tagline for Las Vegas, uh, the only city where you could pay more for a Diet Pepsi than two shrimp cocktails. <laughs> are, you, are you still hitting the dollar, what is that, dollar ninety nine shrimp cocktail downtown? Oh, 99 cents. 99 cents, yeah. It's fine now, but... Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm on this diet. I'm down uh, 10 pounds in one week. Thanks for asking. One and, week? Uh, two weeks. Two weeks. Sorry. Oh, all right. All right. Yep. That's uh, still great, though. That's still great. <laughs> and uh, so this is the first week uh, of the diet that I'm on the road, and this is where all diets go to die, <laughs> traveling and traveling to Las Vegas, right? Right. So uh, I'm still trying to be as, re- as close as I can to my 1,500 calories a day. And um, so, of course, I got off the plane and had to go to Ellis Island, right, get my mm-hmm. steak. Even though it was eight thirty in the morning, <laughs> and um, I gotta say, I, I cannot um, eagerly um, encourage people to go to Ellis Island for the steak special anymore. Oh no! I know, right? What happened? So uh, I first went, uh, first started going to Vegas. You know, back when you know before color was invented, right? Yeah. Um, the steak special was four ninety nine. And amazing, and then it became five ninety nine, um, and then seven ninety nine. But they threw a beer in now, right? So or a root beer. So even right. you were happy, right? Yep, yep. And then it went to nine ninety nine, and I'm like, mm, we're on the border here. And then so I show up uh, this morning or the the morning I flew in, and it's nine ninety nine, and I'm like, just still come with a beer. And she's like, no, honey, sorry. Oh, jeez. So now it's just a steak for nine ninety nine. Oh jeez! I mean, Which anywhere else in the world, would you'd be, be like, amazing, yeah, right? yeah. But here in Vegas, you got to try a little harder. And then they make it all painful now. You used to be able just to order it off. It wasn't on the menu, but you could just order it. Then you had to get a players' club card. Now you got to get a players' club card, and you got to swipe it at the kiosk and print out a coupon to get it. So they're pretty much doing everything aside from making you actually cook the steak yourself <sighs> and not make it the deal that it used to be, right? So. Um, but I'm like, that fit into my diet, but it only left me a little bit at night, right? right? So I'm like, what can I eat? And I'm like, well, it's Vegas. I got to get my shrimp cocktail, right? <laughs> and uh, I'm staying at the Golden Gate downtown now, the famous one here. But now it's three ninety nine down here, so that's not a deal anymore. Right. Uh, again, anywhere else, but not here in Vegas. Um, but the Fremont still has it for $0.99, cent, and it's a really crappy one, right? But I'm going up there, I'm like, oh. I looked at it, and I'm like, those are small, and I don't do the cocktail sauce, and... I'm like, give me two of those. I'm like, all right, and then a Diet Pepsi. So two co- shrimp cocktails, ninety nine cents each. Diet Pepsi, two nineteen. Wow, awesome. See, it's, if you don't know the history of of the of the meals and stuff, you're going over there and you're like, this is fantastic. But knowing the history of that steak story, you know, now it's like, oh, it's just so hard to to pony up the ten bucks for it. But if you're just like going into Vegas the first time, you're still thinking that's fantastic. But the shrimp thing, no matter what, you know, that is freaking phenomenal. <laughs> doesn't matter if you've been there before or if you've never been there before. You see that, that's phenomenal. I mean, they're a small shrimp, right? I remember that. They're kind of oh, tiny, yeah, they're, but they're still tiny. still crazy, though. They're the size of shrimp that salads throw away, but uh, <laughs> it's a shrimp cocktail, right? So, yeah. Um, but anyhow, I'm having a blast here. I'm out here uh, doing some meetings for Up. Hope to have some stuff to announce at some point for the Up Nation, so stay tuned. Uh, but I'm also out here for G2E, uh, which is the uh, lingo, short lingo for Global Gaming Expo, which is the 
world's uh, largest convention for gaming suppliers. I've never been out here. You know, we've been in business eight years. Been in the poker world for ten years. Never gone to G2E. So um, I'm like, oh, I was really excited, right? Mm-hmm. And part of the reason that I haven't gone is all the poker managers and people I know that have gone said, yes, guys, there's not a lot of poker there. It's mostly slot machines and other kind of stuff, which, you know, mirrors the normal gaming world, right? Right. Um, so I wasn't, you know, I didn't feel like I was missing out on anything, but I just kind of wanted to experience it. And uh, so I experienced it yesterday. And um, I got to say, the highlight was meeting the Soup Nazi. <laughs> that was the highlight. <laughs> You met the Zoop Nazi from Seinfeld. Yes. Uh, <laughs> what is he doing there? Because uh, they have a Seinfeld slot machine uh, made by Scientific Games. Oh, man. He's on the video of it because obviously I'm sure he's cheaper to have on the video than getting Jerry or right. George or Lane or right. Kramer. Um, so, yeah, so the little slot machine's awesome. Because, you know, you know what? Again. Back in the younger days, slot machines, you put your nickel in and you try to get three cherries and you got all excited, right? Yeah, yeah. Now it's like, you know, the sensory overload thing or the kids won't play it, right? So yeah. They got all these videos on there. So, yeah, so when you're playing, there's like little clips of Seinfeld and then in like the little window, in the bigger window, it's just a soup Nazi looking at him and shaking his finger. Wow. But he was there as a little uh, press thing, and um, uh, a really cool dude. I enjoyed it. Got my little uh, autograph photo with a selfie. And, uh, very exciting. So, um, And obviously, I'm sure uh, with our generation of our listeners that lots of people would find the Soup Nazi the highlight, regardless of what else was here. Right. Um, but I was actually kind of disappointed. I mean, I knew going in that there wasn't going to be much poker here, and the people that told me that did not lie to me. Um, Literally only two booths that I stopped and talked to folks at. Um, obviously, there's some like playing card companies and things like that that, uh, that that obviously service the poker industry, but nothing with any kind of innovation that I thought was worth wasting my time asking them, right? Right. And the two are the competing companies in the, um, I, I don't know, kind of how you describe the space, but... Uh, tournament clock, uh, poker room management, electronic kind of stuff, um, and apps. That is kind of that kind of space. So uh, I will mention Bravo because uh, everybody kind of knows Bravo. So if you know what Bravo is, um, there's a, um, a new competitor called Poker Atlas, which used to back in the day. I remember talking to this guy, and he's like, "Oh yeah, any up? I've been with you guys forever." I'm like, "Ah, oh, thanks." Back in the day, they were just like a uh, listings of poker rooms online, right? Yep, yep. And um, and they've grown, and now. <clears throat> they're becoming the only real true competitor to Bravo. Um, and uh, so I stopped and talked to them, and uh, pretty cool stuff on their apps now. So this company is now in 55 poker rooms. By comparison, Bravo is in about uh, 190. So uh, Bravo, obviously, much bigger. Yeah. Uh, but there's like 400, and it's tough to say, somewhere around 430 ish poker rooms in the United States, if you count even like the two or three table ones in the pit. Mm-hmm. So the fact that Bravo is only in 190, um, and then Poker Atlas is in 155. 55, right? 55. No, I'm sorry, 55, yeah, right. right. Yes. Okay, so about a quarter of the size right now, but yeah, they yeah. can so get there. still a lot of growth for this kind of uh, product to go. So, um, so obviously Poker Atlas coming to the new can do kind of what Annie Up always did coming to things, is look for the holes in the market and try to fill them. Um, so... Um, both of these companies have apps that you can download for free on both the, the Google Play and the uh, the Apple Store. Um, and you have them on your phone, and you can you know open them up and see um, the current games being spread at the the poker room, the, any of the poker rooms that they're their clients. So if you have both on, then you you're seeing half of the wait list around the country. Um, and um, and some other information about the rooms. But now they're trying to make these things a little cooler. So uh, the Poker Atlas one, you can actually sign up um, on the wait list from your app now. Oh. So, you know, before you could, you, obviously you can call the poker room and say, hey, put me on the list. Now on Poker Atlas, you can just push a button and boom, you're already on the list. Yeah, um, automatically put you on. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and Bravo's coming up with that. They said they're working on that feature now. So everybody's kind of playing catch up. But So it's good to have competitors because they, they force each other to move a little bit. But Poker Atlas already has that capability, which is pretty cool. Um, but the things I thought were really interesting is, you know, they both have displays on the table. Now, most people go to Bravo rooms now and they see the Bravo display is like this kind of skinny thing right in front of the dealer where they kind of 
swipe your player's club card and push eight if you're in seat eight and now you're logged in. Right. Um, and then they can call for drinks or the floor or food from there. But that's really all they can do on that thing now. Uh, Bravo is coming up with their new um, uh, a new actual touchscreen video um, replacement for that. That's going to roll out soon. Poker Atlas already has it, so they're ahead of the game. Um, and on theirs, uh, two things that I thought were pretty cool. One, um, the dealer can just tap your seat. Like, say you're in seat A. If you get up to go uh, eat, hey, I'm going to go grab a quick bite to eat. And tap you out and it'll automatically track how long you've been gone. So, you know, how many times we've been sitting at a cash table and some guy there's saying, that guy's been gone for three hours. And the dealer's, no, he hasn't. I've only been here for one down. That's 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And he has a big fight. Now you can just look at the thing and say, yeah, it's been actually 46 minutes. Um, and then, you know, every room has their limited time of when they pick up your chips and, and replace you. So I think that's really cool. That's going to cut down a lot of arguments. Um, and then the other thing, too, is uh, Poker Atlas, you can actually... If you're in a tournament at one of the rooms, um, let's say Derby Lane, because Derby Lane's one of the rooms, you can actually go on the app and uh, see the tournament clock on your phone. Oh, so you know, like, if you have enough time to get there or if you need any well, no, no, get well, back? Yeah, or... absolutely, yeah. If you're, if you're late <clears throat> reg, yeah, you right, can see right. the started. So that's one thing I didn't think about. But if you're actually in the room and, and you're at a seat where you can't actually see a clock or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now you can call it up on your phone and always see it. Gotcha, yeah. Now, um, obviously, they don't need all that functionality on the touchscreen on the table when it's a tournament table, right? Mm -hmm. So they can just turn on the clock on the tournament table now. Wow. So even if you don't so have the So it's like app, literally right there in front of you the whole time. You never, so they don't have to worry about to put it on the screens pretty soon. They just put it on the tables and... And then you can keep the screens for more entertaining things like results from absolutely. Yeah, and then they and also asked him about this, and he said most rooms don't do it, but there's a capability for the touchscreen to actually talk to you. Because that's my <laughs> big beef is that you know when the limit changes, unless a human gets on the podium yeah. Yeah. Right, or the uh, the PA and says blinds up. Right. Technically, blinds aren't up, even though you're watching the clock go down. <laughs> and I hate that. I've been arguing with the TDA ever since I've been going to those summits to change that stupid rule, and they just won't do it. Um, but um, the actual clock, when it has an audio thing, that counts in most rooms. So, But sometimes you can't hear it if you're away like this. Now, if it's a, the table's actually talking to you. Now I know I'm never going to be playing three minutes longer at the old blind level because the dealer didn't hear anything, right? Right, right. So that's kind of cool. He says no, none of the rooms that he knows actually use that feature. So that's going to be my new um, cause du jour now to <laughs> turn that off. Hey, can my uh, pessimism come out on something here? Or? Yes, please. Uh, the question I wonder is, will poker rooms now start to give you comps in minutes? And so... Oh, okay. When you walk away and go to the bathroom for an hour and then come back, you know, you're not really getting credit for that hour of playing because, oh, we have you clocked in and clocked out. Clocked out, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, that, not that I'm saying that poker rooms are, or casinos are cheap. I'm just saying, is that the future now? Because we can precisely dictate or uh, follow track how long you've been at a table. I think you're probably right on that. And I would argue that, that as much as it sucks for the players, it's actually fair as well, too, right? Yeah, it's fair. So that's what I'm saying. So I'm not being pessimism as in, like, I don't want that to happen. I'm just saying I wonder if that will now be a way to track people and be more accurate. And then you really are going to have to sit in your table and play to get your hamburger, you know? Yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah, absolutely. All right, very cool. So that's pretty cool. I mean, it wasn't a lot of good stuff, but now you've got it out of your system. You can move on. Yeah, so then I walked across the hall to the Bravo one and talked to them, and um, so obviously uh, the, the big stuff going on with them is they're doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes, and they're going to roll out um, a lot of changes to the app, uh, the app that the players download at the beginning of the year. So beginning of the year, you're going to see a, a lot more functionality on your app, um, uh, and I believe that's going to be when you can do the uh, push button, wait list, and all that kind of stuff as well, too. Mm -hmm. Um um, but the big thing is, is that as we all know, because we talked about the show, um, they tested um, buying in to tournaments with credit cards at World Series this year. Um, and even though they only had one week to, from approval to actually the World Series starting, um, they said even despite the bugs, everything went really well. And now they're going to be rolling that out to all their clients. Um, if they're in a jurisdiction where you're allowed to buy into a poker tournament with a credit card. Um, and the room wants to do it. I think they said Venetian is one here in Vegas, and they're going to allow that pretty soon. 
um, you'll be able to go to your app and buy into a tournament with your credit card. And then you show up, you go to a kiosk at the at the poker room and swipe your player club card and it prints out your um, C card or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So that's kind of cool, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the last thing, and this is interesting, I want to see a discussion. In fact, I have sitting there um, waiting for a demo and uh, one of the poker room managers from around the country we knew came over and, and uh, chatted with me about this because he saw the um, demonstration the day before. Uh, Bravo doesn't have any poker rooms doing it yet. None of them have bit on it yet. Um, but they are pushing a new poker side bet. And I think maybe we talked about a poker side bet in the past, so um, don't need to have that big discussion. But their particular one now is it's got, you know, if you anybody's played a table game now with the side bet, they've got like this little circle you put your chip on, and it's got a sensor so that it lights up. And then uh, the dealer collects all the chips, and the the light stays on, so you know who paid without the money staying on the table, right? Mm-hmm. So they're doing that for the poker now, um, and then it's all based on the flop. So it has nothing to do with your cards, um, although there's a super bonus where it uses your cards. Um, but if you flop a pair or better, then you get paid off on a pay table for it. Jeez. And you could obviously fold your hand and still win because it's based on the flop, not your cards, right? So, right, right. Um, so, um, <laughs> your reaction, I think, is uh, is what uh, at least one half to more than one half, I think, of poker players' reactions would be uh, that they don't really want to see this carnival thing added to a poker game. Um, the poker manager I was talking to, he's like, you know, hey, is this going to slow the game down a lot? Um, how do we pay out the payouts? Do they come out of the well, or do we have a separate thing? So a lot of questions that, that they have to work out on, on how this is going to work. Um but I argue to him that this is a tailor-made product for the 2-4 limit players, isn't it? Well, because they have – well, first of all, they're not spending that much money. They have plenty of time, and it's not going to distract them. You know what I mean? It's a different different pace, I think. So, yeah, maybe. I, what bothers me is – and if it's a limit, then you're not really kind of ticked off about how much money is going to that and not available oh, for you yeah. to win them. Exactly. So, but if you know, limit, they could just buy in for whatever, and it's, you're not going to get them all in one hand. So, yeah. That, that, you mentioned that. Actually, it's not funny at all, actually. I'm, I would have lost money had you not mentioned that. Yeah. Because I was talking to the poker manager, I'm like, oh my God, yeah, you know, Chris lost his mind one time in our home game when we were taking a dollar off the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> you can only imagine him sitting down at this thing. <laughs> it's true. Um, I mean, think about how much money we put into that Kentucky Derby. No, we, because I didn't do it. But how much everyone put into that Kentucky Derby pool, that's money. That's t- you've taken off the table of the poker players at the table. Yeah, so. and so what I explained to the poker manager is. You know, if it's a limit game, it doesn't matter too much. I mean, I guess it matters a little bit, but no limit, I think, is a bigger Yeah, it's a big deal. You're, you're taking that off because, you know, you're playing for stacks rather than, you know, the bets you can get. So Exactly. Um, but, you know, when I say 2-4, for a lot of reasons. One, it's a limit. One, it's a slower game. And two, I mean, 2-4 players are either in two camps. Either they're the recreational players that are just going, I just want to play cards, right? Mm-hmm. Not paying back to rake. They don't care. They bring their 100 bucks. They lose it. They go home. No big deal. Um, the other ones are the jackpot chasers, right? Or the whatever the high hand is. Uh, it's you know they're there to win that, and they're the ones that are like, I won't chop now. I got a jackpot hand. And, yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. So those kind of guys I know would love to put a dollar in every time and win two to one on a pair or up to four thousand to one or something on quads or something like that. Right. Whatever the pay table is, but um, It'll be interesting to see if anybody bites on it. I know somebody will at some point, and then we'll actually be able to see it and, and practice and see what people say. Oh, man. No thanks. Um, all right. Well, before I went to Vegas, I uh, went to a charity casino night, and this might be shocking to our listeners. i trying to think the last time I went to a casino night, and I believe it was when my fraternity had one in college for Rush. <laughs> Rush! <laughs> <laughs> Not that rush. Uh, I went to one too, but I went to one right when our poker careers were starting. Like when you and I first know, started to know each other and play poker together and stuff. I went to one at a country club, but they're kind of fun when you're just you know enjoying yourself and not worrying about. I won the poker tournament that night too, so. Yeah, I mean, so that's interesting. You mentioned a poker tournament. So, you know, I, I'm not a, against casino charity nights. Um, I just uh, I haven't sought them out, right? Right. Uh, but this one was for our library in, in our city, and I'm like, that sounds like a fun Saturday night, and Laura was totally down for it. And um, 
So we walk in. Before we get there, we're asking, you know, I was like, oh, I'm going to play some roulette. And, you know, what are you going to play? And I'm like, well, I hope they have a craps table because, you know, a charity event's a perfect place for me to get my craps thing out of my system, right? Yeah, yeah. So I walk in. I see the craps table. I'm great. But the first thing when I walk in, Texas Hold'em table sitting there. Oh, yeah. And it never even occurred to me that they might have a Texas Hold'em table there. I just don't think of that at, at charity casino night. But I'm like, oh, that's all right. And Laura's like, hey, it's a poker table. I'm like, yeah, I, I would not be sitting down at that. I promise you that. <laughs> so I'd be lined over to the craps table. Uh, she came over with me, and then she's like, all right, I'm bored. I'm going to go sit in the hold'em table. I'm like, all right, go have fun. So she sat down, and um, so I played craps for a while, and then I uh, picked up my chips and went over to her, and she's like, oh, my God. These people are so bad, Scott. <laughs> and the dealer doesn't know what she's doing. It's so bad. And I'm like, that's exactly why I didn't sit down, because it was just going to frustrate me. I can go have fun at the craps table. Heck, I'll go to the roulette table with you and have more fun than playing at this holding table, right? Yeah. So we got up, got a beer or so, and then uh, trying to figure out where to go. The roulette table was packed. She didn't want to play craps. Um, the three-card poker table, which is what she and I usually do when we go to Vegas, that was packed. So we looked over, and her seat at the Hold'em was still open, and the seat next to it. So she's like, come play Hold'em with me. I'm like, all right. (laughs) Yeah, that's what you said. (laughs) I sit down, and um, I didn't even ask what was going on. I assumed there was no limit. Um, I saw that it was five, ten blinds. I'm like, all right. Very first hand, the guy raises to 15. (laughs) And I'm like, "Uh, okay. And then six people call the 15 gets to me, and I'm like, all right, 15. <laughs> Here you go. I had, like, jack deuces spades or something, right? But, yeah. Um, but I ended up uh, doing quite well there. I got uh, pocket kings and got it all in, and, you know, three people called, and they held up, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, but I'm like, you know, I just had to sit there and just like, hey, it's charity. Let, let the dealer do whatever she wants. And she had a World Series poker dealer badge on, too, which I thought was kind of funny. That's pretty funny. And um, and the players didn't know what was going on. I'm like, hey, just here having fun, drinking some beer, right? So then, <laughs> towards the end of the night, now I'm getting into this, right? Because I, I tripled up with my kings and like that. And then we had a, a three-way all-in, and I'm like, oh, all right, the table's gonna blow up now, right? So yeah. um, and then, uh, so I actually it was literally when she was paying out, I'm like, hey, wait a minute, did you pull those chips in or not? I, it's acting like it's real. And she's looking at me like, yes, I did that. I'm like, are you? And I'm like, why am I saying, are you sure? <laughs> Charity chips here, and for every hundred, I get one ticket for a raffle. You know, like... <laughs> oh man! See, you just can't. The competitive nature, just you can't separate yourself. Sometimes it's tough. I held out for an hour. You give me an hour, and then I'm like, and then I'm like, all right, all right, all right let's go pray over your life now. Oh man. <laughs> That's hilarious. So let me guess, you won something in the raffle too? No, unfortunately, it's pretty crazy. We didn't. I, I'm on. A, I'm on a non-heater now at the raffle. <laughs> not, so. not over two the last two times. Yeah. Oh, man, that's pretty funny. Oh, well. Hey, we got some real poker news, actually, right? Yeah, it's kind of boring, but... <laughs> All right, well, we'll just read it real quick, then. Uh, Bavada, which just announced it was selling its online poker room to a company called Ignition, but was keeping its online casino and sportsbook, has been forced out of the U.S. market, as has Ignition. A deal struck between the New Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement and the... Is it Kanawaki, right? That's how you say it? Uh, sure. Yeah, I think it's kind of. You know how to pronounce? I forget. I, I kind of lucky. It's been a while. They used to be in the news a lot, like yeah. back in the day. So it's kind of lucky. Gaming Commission, which regulates the sites in Canada, gave both sites until September 30th, which is when you know the show is supposedly being taped or recorded, uh, to cease offering games to U.S. players. And isn't this the part where I say "told you so"? <laughs> yes, yes. Right, because I said, "Hey, you don't really want to call attention to this." Bovada was going along nicely and had a poker room and no one did anything to him. As soon as you make a sale, boom, now they're both out. Well, yeah, and I, I'm going to imagine that this was in play long before even the sale, but uh, what I find most interesting about this is that it just shows how many different ways online poker can be stamped out. Yeah. Right? Yep. So Black Friday was all from the, the U.S. Department of Justice cracking down on those big sites, right? Yep. And then the other sites saying, oh my gosh, I don't want to be that. So they got out... Um, on their own, without any pressure, right? So that's two ways of getting um, rooms out. This has nothing to do on the federal level. This is New Jersey, where they're, uh, they've got rooms there that are offering a legal online poker product to residents, or people in New Jersey, right? Right. Who are now contacting um, a foreign gaming commission saying, hey, 
you are licensing a poker room that's operating in our uh, our view illegally in our country in our state where we are offering a legal thing and the gaming commission's like oh yep you're right and decided to shut them down themselves without any real legal pressure wow yep there you go uh, okay, any updates? <laughs> I didn't know if we were going to talk more about it or not. I, I'll <laughs> That's plenty, it. right? That's plenty. So, <laughs> Scarlet Pearl Casino Resort, the newest casino in Biloxi, Mississippi area, will award five Antioch Poker Cruise packages for our November 14th sailing out of Tampa, Florida, in three drawings from October 7th to the 9th. Players can earn entries with every hour of cash gameplay, every full house they get, and by entering Big Slick's 30K Poker Open. For more information, visit com. PokerRadius.com is a great poker networking site that is home to the AnnieUp group discussions. Basic memberships are free and uh, get you access to the AnnieUp group discussions. And upgraded memberships get you access to discounts on poker products and automatic entries to contests. And finally, join AnnieUpPokerRoom.com and compete for weekly cash in the monthly winner tournaments for 500 bucks and for, uh, for cash and prizes. AnnieUpPokerRoom.com costs $14.95 a month and is open to players in 25 states where sweepstakes laws allow play. Each week we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast.antiapmagazine.com and if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. Comes from Mark Whitting. He says, he has a home game question. What cards do y'all use? And uh, size and brand, please. Plus, what type of chips do y'all use? All right, let me take this. So, uh, um, uh, first, a couple shameless plugs. One, we're out of listener spotlight, so please send us home. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I went to our good partners, Poker Radius, and uh, saw this one. And I actually responded and um, because I thought it was an opportunity for me to point out um, some companies that have done done right by Annie Up. Um, and there are also small businesses like Annie Up is, and I always like uh, helping out both our friends. And it's true, and, too, though. And our fellow small businesses, and it's not even that I am like holding my nose to promote these companies. I love the stuff that yep, they do. Absolutely, really we use their stuff. stuff all the time, and I have them at my house too. Absolutely. Yeah, so uh, this is not a paid uh, sponsored post here. This is straight from the heart, and the best advice we can give Mark. And um, I'll start with the cards. Um, we've been using J Design uh, cards ever since we started this company. Uh, Jason Holly, great guy that designs them. They're beautiful cards. Um, you don't see them in too many poker rooms, unfortunately, because that's a whole other market to get into. But um, you go to classicplaincards.com as a website. You can order them there. Um, but uh, we use them on our cruises, which we love, and they've been really great. Um, but I would say in our home game, I think we're on our second deck in my home game. And we've been playing how long? Yeah. Ten years? Yeah. Well, since I started, well, since the started the company, eight years, yeah. So, <clears throat> Probably eight years we've gone through. I'm on our second deck, so that's how durable they are. So that's a really important thing, I think, when you're talking about the cards. Um, now for the cruise, I, at home uh, I like the bridge size and uh, the small pips, um, just because they're easier to handle and deal. Um, and when you're peeking at your cards, you don't have to bend them too high up, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's why I prefer them on our cruise. A lot of our feedback from our older guests were that they like the bigger typeface and the bigger cards. And now we're using the poker size cards, much to our dealers' dismay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the the bigger print ones, and people love them. So it, I think that's kind of a personal. Uh, all this, I guess, is personal preference. But that's that's two things that I would. Consider. I am a big fan of the poker size. Believe it or not, I mean, I, yeah, I I like them. Well, I remember when we were first started playing, and, and Mike would bring his his chems back in the day before we knew who uh, we weren't even business together yet so we didn't even know there wasn't even a J design around but he, they were skinny and I thought all oh, these are really cool because they're plastic that's what made me excited because I didn't know they existed at the time because I hadn't played in a poker room really that much And but when they were really thin I was just like oh I just don't I really like the big fat cards for some reason I, don't, oh, I, got, I was going to say yeah I got big fat hands so maybe that's it <laughs> I don't know but uh, and I, so I like them when we use them on the cruises now alright well hey personal preferences right 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 um, chips, um, I would recommend thepokerdepot.com. Um, our good friend Danny, uh, Donnie Campbell here that lives uh, not too far from us. Um, and they've just really ramped up their consumer division now. And a cool thing that folks might want to know that you're looking for home games, you can go online there and customize your chip. You can upload photos or logos and things. And they have an online designer there you can play with. 
and you can actually order your chips like that, which is not revolutionary. There's been other places that you can do that before, but what is revolutionary, I think, is that the chips you're getting are really quality chips rather than those cheap. Yeah, composite or, or yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and uh, for folks that have been on the cruises with us, our tournament chips, our Poker Depot chips, and are really nice. The cash game chips that Chris had to, you know, almost kill himself sanding. <laughs> uh, different company, so don't hold those against dying. Right. Uh, but we are actually getting a whole new set of cash game chips for our next cruise as well, too, from um, the Poker Depot. Um, so we're looking forward to having those. And it's a new technology. Um, I was playing with them the other day when I was at his office, and they're really nice. I think people are really going to like them, and I believe those are the same chips you get when you order um, straight from the site when you do the custom thing. So definitely check out the uh, thepokerdepot.com and um, look at your chips there. Now, you didn't ask about tables, but um, some of the responses on Poker Radius were tables, so I'll just throw in a plug here for offtilttables.com. Um, they make um, they made tables for us for our cruises. We don't use them on all the cruises, um, just the long ones that we can't bring our own tables for. Um, but real nice. Um, if you go to his site, he's making tables for pretty much every tour that's out there. Um, Heartland, he, he builds tables for. WP Deep Stacks, he builds the tables for. I think he's built tables for the World Series of Poker as well, too. And he does some really cool stuff with his tables. I mean, and he does some custom ones for your home, too, however you want, with different lights or logos of sports teams. Um, uh, you can make them so they're dining room tables that have a nice cover over the top when you have the snooty friends over for a dinner party and then you can take the top off when you have your rambunctious friends over for poker um so i highly recommend him he he does a really good job with tables all right find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been email us at podcast at magazine.com we'll have hollywood casino toledo director of poker elliot Schechter tell you how he would have ruled and let me tell you he likes to tell you how he would have ruled This comes from Matt Bodorf. He says, in a casino tournament, player A appears to check on the turn. Dealer looks at me, and I bet 6000 Player A then says, wait, I said all in. The players to his right and left say they heard him say it. The dealer calls for the floor, who initially rules, I must forfeit 6000 or call. I tell him there was no bet I could see because the player didn't push any chips forward, nor did the dealer inform me of the, inform me of the all-in or throw out one of the all-in buttons. To me, it's clear that the dealer also thought it was a check. The floor rules that because players heard him say all-in, it is my responsibility to know, and one chip is considered a call, forcing my all-in. <clears throat> there are multiple problems with this, right? All right, Elliot says, uh, Well, the use of all-in buttons was supposed to eliminate this. The dealer looked at you to inform you that it was your turn to act, and then you acted upon that cue. From the current TDA rules, number two, player responsibilities... Protect their hands, make their intentions clear, follow the action, act in turn, defend their right to act, keep cards visible, and chips correctly stacked. Follow one player to a hand, know and comply with the rules, pro- practice proper etiquette, and generally contribute to an orderly event. Rule 38, acting in turn. Uh, a, players must act in turn verbally and or by pushing out chips. Action in turn is binding and commits players to the pot that stay in the pot. B, players must wait for the clear bet amounts before acting. Example, no limit hold'em. Uh, player A says raise, but no amount, and B quickly folds. B should wait to act until A's raise amount is clear. And Rule 39, binding declarations under calls in turn. A, general verbal declarations in turn, such as call or raise, commit a player to the full current action. And B, a player under calls by declaring or pushing out less than the call amount without first declaring call. An under call is mandatory full call if made in turn facing one any bet heads up, or two, the opening bet on any round multi-way. In other situations, uh, TD's discretion applies. The post of BB is the opening first round bet in blind games. All-in buttons greatly reduce under call frequency, um, and uh, the rule addresses when a player must make a full call and when, at the tournament director's discretion, he may forfeit the under bet and fold. And that last line, uh, Elliot put in italics himself because he thinks it's important. And he says, uh, somewhere in there, we are supposed to find guidance for ruling in this situation. If you're trying to make the case that your bet was action out of turn, which would be voided after his declaration of all-in renders the action change and therefore open by virtue of the dealer cueing you to act, I'm not sold. Uh, At some point, you are responsible for paying attention, even when it is very challenging and the dealers are not helping. 
If in all these situations, bets are voided and refunded, what is to stop dealers from not putting all-in buttons in front of players they would like to see lose by giving all their opponents a get-out-of-jail-free card during every all-in situation due to the lack of an all-in button issuance? If you're trying to say the dealer cued you and a premature action and the other player was able to benefit, this is a plausible interpretation, all of which renders this a judgment call. Uh, so see the italicized from Rule 39. In this situation, the inaction of the dealer can be reasoned to be able to assist either of the two players in this hand um, by seemingly trapping the second player into an irretrievable bet or by letting the second player make a free bet that could be retracted due to human error. Context and information are the keys, then. How skilled is the dealer? How familiar are the players in the hand? Has the situation appeared previously or continuously with the same player A? Has the situation appeared previously or continuously with the same player B? Are the players on either side of player A familiar? In a situation is precisely like this, the tournament directors are granted latitude by the rules. If I could determine that you were given absolutely no indication that a wager was made, I would rule your bet completely irretrievable. If I could determine the information was available that a bet was placed, I'm ruling your bet as part of the pot or even uh, if you were liable for the entire all-in bet. <laughs> I mean, couldn't that answer that last sentence? Couldn't he have answered it by that last sentence? If I could determine that you were given absolutely no indication that a wager was made, I would rule your bet completely retrievable. If I could now, determine it, well, that's have. it. That's the answer right there. Could have, but I'm a strong defender of Elliot <laughs> and explaining the overall rules because even if you don't really care about the answer to this question, now you've got a lot more information on future at the end, you can say cpokertda.com for <laughs> for the rules to explain this. But uh, no, always thorough, very good. Always appreciate stuff like that. That's great. Hey, we get to complete O'Malley's move today. We're going to refresh ourselves here with one. one. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week, we are at a two dollar, five dollar no limit hold'em home game with a pretty standard button straddle. Not forced, but standard. The skill levels here range from intermediate to fairly solid. It's early in the night, and we're at right about our starting stack of 500. The table is six-handed. The button straddles, the small blind calls, big blind, under the gun, and MP fold, and we're in the cutoff with the queen of hearts, queen of clubs. With a straddle, we want to send a message that we have a good hand, and we wouldn't mind taking this down now. We make it $70 to go. The button and small blind both call. The pot is north of 200, and the flop is the king of spades, ten of clubs, six of spades. The small blind checks. Now, just because an overcard falls doesn't mean we've been sucked out on. We're going to make a little C-bet here. We put 135 into the pot. The button folds, but the small blind calls relatively quickly. Hmm. Spades? Queen-Jack? The small blind is one of the newer players to poker, but she's picking up the game quickly, although she can make mistakes from time to time. She's in that awkward phase of being in between a novice and intermediate. She started with an almost identical stack to ours. The pot is about 475, and the turn is the four of diamonds. The small blind once again checks. So, are we betting again? What's the move? All right, we've already put in almost half our stack, uh, so I guess we need to decide whether it's all getting in or whether we need to wave a small white flag and check behind here to control the pot and reassess on the river. Uh, with two spades and two Broadway cards out there, a draw is certainly probable for our opponent, especially the way she's playing it, so I'd hate to give a free card for that. But a king is just as possible. Uh, I'm going to keep the same bet, 135 bucks, and see what the reaction is. She could fold, which is the best case. She could reluctantly call, which gives me a lot of options to win this hand on the river without improving. I think we can represent a lot of hands depending on the river. So if we have the moxie, I think we can win this hand. Uh, I wrote that it feels like a draw. It could be a suited ace of spades, maybe. Um, if she had a king, would she keep checking on that draw-heavy board? I think I make a bet like you, maybe 150 though or so. Um, just it feels so much like a draw that I'm just I'm going to be betting a bunch. So, all right, here comes part two. Hello again. Her check on the flop and turn makes me less likely to believe she has a king. A proper bet would be for our entire stack, but maybe we can do somewhat of a value blocker bet. Something that leaves us a little bit left to play with. We make it 175 to go. The small blind seems to agonize over the decision before making the call. It's a draw. 
With a pot of about 825, the river is the 8 of diamonds. The small blind once again checks. I'm happy with the size of the pot, and I don't want to put it all in here, just in case my read is wrong. We check. Our opponent turns over, ace of spades, ten of spades, a suited casenza, and a missed flush. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying, just because there's an overcard doesn't mean you're beat. But there are easier ways to win pots. I hope to see you on the felt. Well, we had the moxie and we won the hand. Good job. Nailed it! <laughs> That's wild. I love I love when that happens. It makes you feel pretty good. But you know, it's it's easier when it's O'Malley's move or you know, then you, you kinda get an idea of what the hand's gonna be. When you're doing it in real time, it's not as easy to put around that kind of hand. But uh uh yeah, love that. Love the outcome. Thank you very much. Yeah, I would say this is another hand that just illustrates uh, you know, every time somebody says that position is power and an element hold 'em. Um I don't disagree with them obviously because they're correct. But there is a, a quite a bit of power in being out of position as well, too. Yep, sometimes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right, it's time for the Hand of the Week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at anteupmagazine.com. Last week we had one hand from Jason Grime, but he sent us two in the same email, so it's a double shot. So it's from the same game, too, right? So the same night and everything? Okay. All right, so to refresh you, this was a 5-5 no-limit hold'em with a $10 rock game. So a uh, ten dollars straddle on the button, um, and then uh, which we didn't mention last week, but he said, "Yes, I know you hate straddles, but as you admitted on an earlier show, you dig kills." So pot calling kettle. <laughs> Thank you for using that because I pointed that out. Everybody <laughs> now, I let everybody know that. Uh, all right. So anyway, he's a full table, and I'm in early position with ace ace. By the time it gets to me, there have been a couple limpers. Um, uh, so I'm going to just read the whole thing because it's a situation, right? Okay. Uh, there have been a couple of limpers, so I raised to 50. Folds to a player I've never seen before. He raises to 200 or 225. Folds to a regular who contemplates his hand before he raises to 725. Folds around back to me, and I shove for my remaining stack. Uh, the middle guy, who originally popped at 200, asked for a count, and I have 1755. He thinks for a minute or two before announcing call. Third guy now says, what did he do? Did he call or say all in? Third guy wants to know if there's going to be a possible side pot. I've been playing poker for a few hours and have periodically colored up my checks, so my 1775 is composed of maybe 60 total chips. New guy, middle guy, uh, he just got there and has over $1,000 in $5 checks. They stack a green 25 and some black 100, so it takes about forever to determine if I have them covered, so no side pot. And once we get that all clean, uh, cleared up, the third guy goes into the tank. He has me covered by a billion or so dollars. Rough estimate. <laughs> uh, he routinely sits with 2500 and has little more than that now, but a few buy-ins still in his pocket. He turns over pocket kings and asks me, you got aces? Now, my mind, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm thinking, I open for 50 and then five bet into three players. Probably only hand I could have is aces or the other two kings. But I say, you know, I can't say nothing. Uh, there's a third guy in the hand. Probably should have, shouldn't have said that either. Anyway, two to three minutes rolls by and he eventually calls. My thoughts are, yay, all the kings are used up, uh, or me, and the middle kid are chopping. Third guy has shown his kings. Middle guy then shows queens. Ford runs out. I scoop around 5,000. So the questions are this. The table and everyone else who came to the table that night because it became one of those, let me tell you about this hand stories. Everyone was talking about it since uh, me and the third guy was... Uh, Still there for hours more. Middle kid went broke again and again and finally left. Uh, all of us agree that the middle guy was insane to call there. A uh, healthy raise and re-raise of your, uh, of your raise should tell anyone that queens probably aren't so good. So is there any scenario where you call off your stack based on that action? And then he's got a second question. And secondly, do you ever fold kings there? Ever fold kings anytime? Oh, man. <sighs> all right, well, first of all, um, it's TJ Cloutier says the, the the fourth raise is always kings or aces, something like that. It's yeah. it's crazy to think that we were five betting. Is that what he said? It was five betting yeah, with the ace. There is betting. no way the the queens are good there. But I can't remember now. So he he five bet, then the queens called right off the rest of their chips. They didn't fold. But how, the thing is, how much I can't really remember how much the queens so had the invested. Last, the last call was the queens. Yeah, I'm trying to remember if the queens. 
like if they were pot committed and had to call because there's just so much out there they're actually like you know hey if i don't call here i mean i could even call and try to hit a set here that's how good it is you know back the action here um uh, our hero raises the 50 um it raises the 2 225 the regular raises the 725 so he puts in the third bet with queens wow wow <laughs> And then, so then he has seven twenty-five in. Then we go all in for another like thousand or something. Yeah. So and then he calls. So that's yeah. So yeah, he, he had probably half a stack in, right? Yeah, I just, I just don't know if I can put the rest of my stack in. No, there. no, he had more than that because he had us covered. So two thousand. Yeah, about a third of his stack. Yeah. yeah, you got a fold there. Yeah. I can't imagine calling with that the queens. Now the guy with the kings, I could still lay down kings there, I, and, and I'm not super tight. I mean, I know you can tell somebody makes it the fifth bet, and then another guy calls behind him, right? Well, but the queens were the last bet. So. No, you said the kings went into the tank after he found out, and he said, "I can't tell you as a third player." I thought oh, you said that's, right. that's correct. You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry. So, so there you go. So now, how could your kings be good when you got a fifth bet, and then a fifth, you know, bet, and then a call all in to that? There's no way your kings are good. One of those guys has you beat, and then if the other one doesn't, now you. There's more likelihood that your your kings are out, and it's kings kings versus aces or aces aces versus kings. You know what I mean? There's just no way I could, I, I could fold those kings there, especially since it got to me and it's been two more bets since then. I could get away from that. I could definitely get away with those kings from those kings. The queens definitely. Um, yeah, the queens are an easier call for me. The kings are a little bit tougher because. Um, you know, if you go back to what well, we we said, the third or fourth race is always kings or aces. Um, depends on the table you're at. I think that's a very good rule of thumb um, for your basic one-two no-limit table, or even a, a you know your sixty-dollar tournament table. Um, but when you get into these bigger games, especially these rock games, um, people play uh, have a much wider opening range, right? Right. So that first raise could be anything, I think, in a game like this, right? So you have to dismiss that. The second raise sometimes can also be nothing, too. Right. So now the third raise, now you're starting to get into something where either it's a hand or the players know the other players and know that that third bet could get them to do something. But So then you get to a fourth raise, and at that point, now i got to give somebody credit for a hand. Now, maybe not everybody a credit for the hand, but... Um, and it's got to be a pretty good hand, I think. So, um, so definitely the queens. Uh, I got to get rid of there. So the last action was the guy with all in when he t- tabled his kings. So at that point, I think it is actually a tougher thing to figure out to actually put one of them on aces. Um, I'm not saying I would have definitely called there. I, I am capable of folding that, um, but I think that's a tougher decision at that point. But uh, in general, he asked, are you ever folding kings? And yeah, I can come up with scenarios where I'm folding kings. I can come up with scenarios where I'm folding aces, you know, in a specific tournament situation, you know. Um, here's the deal. If I'm correct, Jason said he was the fifth raise? Um, yeah, it's a little confusing now. So uh, It made it sound like Jason said that he was putting in the fifth bet, or fifth bet. <clears throat> yes, that's correct. That okay, correct. so Jason's putting in the fifth bet, and the queens now call the fifth bet. Called short. Um, right. uh, I'm laying down the kings. Uh, there's just no way that I can think my kings are good there. Well, here's the other thing too. Now is because the other guy was the short stack, right? So if you put him on the guy, him being the one of the aces, right? Yeah. Because he can't raise anymore because he's all in now. Uh, now you got to figure: Are you good for the side pot, and whether you make more on the side pot than the main pot? Which he wasn't going to in this situation, right? Because yeah, well, I mean, here is an extra. There was no side pot. Person area yeah that's true wow well, but you also that's also an insurance if you're wrong on the on the and the hands which you know i don't know the probability of you being wrong on somebody having aces there is pretty small but it does give you another like you know an extra layer of, of liquid courage i would say right if there was a lot of chips left over for a side pot but if it's a pittance it's just not worth it I, it seems like it was a pittance or there wasn't anything for a side pot anyway here um because the guy with Queens was covered, and we were already all in, and it wasn't by much, because at first they had to count him down to make sure he was actually covered. Right. So it doesn't seem like there's going to be much left over anyway. Yeah, I've, it's, I don't think I've ever seen it go five bets before at a cash game, ever. And then have somebody call the fifth bet, and have somebody consider after that. 
I've never seen that. I've seen four bets maybe in a cash table, but five in call and then a guy considering a sixth or whatever, I've never seen that. That's pretty crazy. What a cooler, too. Yeah, really. But I definitely let go of those kings. And the queens, I don't, unless, like you said, unless it turned out to be like, you know, well, I'm, I'm really calling, I'm calling like 200 to win three grand, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm letting him go, too, probably. It seemed like the guy with the queens was was not willing to just, he was just one of those guys that as a rock won't let go of his hand once he has it in, you know. Um, wow, that's that's a huge pot for him. Two five ten game, even you know the biggest stacks there. If they're like maybe two grand, I mean that's like he he won like almost six grand there, right? Is that what you said? Is it five uh, grand? Five, five, yeah, yeah, that's that's a huge huge pot for a two five game. You know, the biggest pot I ever won in my life in a one three game was twelve hundred. So you're doubling that. That's only twenty six. You know what I mean? So he won. That's a huge pot. That's a huge pot. Yeah. So uh, the takeaway for me is queens, kings, and aces all dealt on the same hand. Live poker's rigged, right? <laughs> well, let's see. Uh, we've been doing this show for 10 years plus, and this is the first time it came up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, live poker's rigged. When it was online poker, online poker's not rigged. It's just crazy because you do play so many hands and... It's just crazy, you know. I, and, I just wish we had these kind of hands to tell people back in the online poker days when it was rigged. I'm like, that's not rigged. Yeah. It yeah. can happen. Everything, it's 52 cards in the deck. There are always yeah. combinations that come up like this. So, If you still think that, go on YouTube and type in cooler poker hands or or bad beats or sick beats poker, and you'll see some of the most incredibly sick bad beats you'll ever see in your life that are dealt just like this and... You know, aces versus aces, and someone losing to a flush, you know, or whatever. So, believe me, it happens. Guys making straight flushes when they make the nut flushes, and aces versus aces versus kings. I remember that was that hand with uh, Helmuth at the World Series. It was like, right? So, I mean, it happens, but uh, pretty sick. (laughs) All right, buddy, enjoy Vegas. I'm Chris Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the tables. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.